Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to this week's FYP podcast. Plenty to talk about after Saturday's magnificent win at Old Trafford and the news that emerged earlier today about yet another injury, this time for Eberiche Eza. We also answer listeners' questions, nominate this week's candidates in 3-2-1 and look ahead to Saturday's late kickoff against Forest. I'm your host, Jack Pearce, and joining me this week are a man likely to be pleased to have timed his first week off of the season by missing the joys of analysing a nil-nil at home and being dumped out of the cup last week. It's Joe Walker. Joe, how are you? I'm very good, particularly after that 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 weekend's result. Given the... I thought we could telegraph how the next few weeks are going to play out with the with the depth being such a problem uh, and, and, and has now increased that problem, but there's nothing like a win... And three points, a surprise three points on the board just to lift the spirits again. It will do it. It will do it. And funnily enough, after a few days, uh, I think the Everton and Spurs games have both sold out. So uh, nothing wow. like a uh, uh, an away win at United to uh, to get the ticket sales going as well. I, I presume you're happier to be talking about this trip to Old Trafford than you were the other one. So uh, look forward to, to hearing your thoughts on that one. Uh, Joe and I are joined this week by a man making, I think, his first midweek pod appearance of the season. We're delighted that the Athletics' Dom Fifield has joined us. Dom, lovely to have you join us this week. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, all is good. Great win at Old Trafford, um, tempered in true Palace style by everything <laughs> that's happened since. Yes, quite typical Palace, as JD would say, I'm sure. Uh, Don, before we get into talking Palace, can I ask you, can England retain the 50-over World Cup? Uh, yeah, although I'd like to think, I'd like to see them sort of attempt to bat through 50-overs, really. I mean, given <laughs> it is a 50-over competition, but but 
but yeah, it'll be fun watch. Um, starting on Thursday, isn't it, against New Zealand? So yeah, yeah yes. fingers crossed. The repeat of the final to kick off the tournament, which I think a lot of these global tournaments are now trying to do to kind of revisit past glories. But yeah, hopefully not as stressful as that Sunday at Lords. But anyway, oh. well let's uh, <laughs> let's get back to uh, let's get back to Palace. Uh, this season we are sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every televised Palace fixture over the course of the season. So if you're not able to get to Selhurst on Saturday for our next league match against Nottingham Forest, instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, why not get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action? Green King Sport have recently launched the Green King Sport Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow, and you won't just be the first to know all about this. You'll also be helping out the FYP podcast. We'll include a link in the show notes. We'd also like to thank our patrons, whose continued support is much appreciated. If you're not currently a patron and would like to support us and receive, among other things, access to post-match podcasts with the likes of Adam Sells and Mr. Fifield, as well as ad-free versions of all FYP episodes, please visit patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast to join. Speaking of Selzy, it prompts our first question of the week from Julian Chenery, um, he of both Oxted and Dubai, who asks, how many miles has Selzy driven this week? Uh, I understand he got the train to the League Cup match, uh, and as patrons will know only too well, he drove on Saturday. So if you have Palace matches at least, I'd estimate just shy of 600 miles for that round trip. Uh, to all Palace fans that made one of the trips, let alone both, to the northwest. Kudos to every one of you. A fantastic effort, rightly applauded by the team. At great scenes at the end of Saturday's match. Also, special thanks to Edmund Brack, who hosted the post-match pod on Saturday. Very nicely done, and I'm sure appreciated by Rob Sutherland, who spent his weekend watching a different type of football in sunny California. Right, onwards. And I'll throw straight to you, Dom, to use an NFL term. Uh <laughs> After Tuesday's League Cup defeat, Dom, uh, did you anticipate the performance, let alone the result on Saturday? Um, it was well. It was always going to be a, a, a different type of performance from Palace because the, the lineup was stronger. I mean, bringing in, you know, arguably the best centre half pairing we've had since I don't know Eric Young and Andy Thorne or something like that was 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 going to add a bit of steel to it all. Um, I mean, obviously, that was just as limited in forward areas as it had been in midweek, but but it just had had there was a bit more resolve to it all, and I think a lot of a lot of those players were keen to make amends almost for the rather anemic display on on the Tuesday night previously. You know, I don't, not blaming them for the uh, performance in the League Cup, but it was it was just one of those those days, and the and the resources are so limited. Um, but, and with United as well. I mean, you look at them and they're so inconsistent. You know, you, it's not, you, you weren't, you, what was to say that they were going to suddenly run out two or three nil winners again? And they're, they're, they're more than capable, as they've proved all season, of just following up, you know, a relatively decent performance with an absolutely abject one. Uh, so you shouldn't be that surprised, but it was just, it was just so timely. It was just such a, a, a fantastically resilient, committed, um, disciplined display from from Hodgson's team, uh, knowing that they had limited firepower, that they they weren't going to be able to open up United. They just had to sit there deep. They they accepted they weren't going to have very much of the ball. They allowed United to have it in in areas where 
Mark Goldridge was getting very excited because they were monopolising <laughs> it, but they were doing absolutely no damage whatsoever. And and to to win it it with a goal of that splendour was just well, just just wonderful to be honest. So, and a, a brilliant, brilliant result, a brilliant continuing a brilliant spell of results for Roy Hodgson up at Old Trafford and. When you look at what's to come and and the mounting injury list, such a timely victory. Beautifully segue to my question for Joe, which is, um, Joe, Roy became the first visiting manager to remain five matches in a row unbeaten Old Trafford in the Premier League era. That run does include three Palace wins. So it's not a case of kind of grinding out nil-nils, um, which are amongst those results. I think is Watford. Yeah. One was a nil-nil. Which um, might be the most extraordinary of the yeah, five, I was going to say that, that, that to get any points in that Watford spell uh, did actually surprise me. Um, so, but anyway, that, that run is certainly not to be sniffed at. And the fact that he's the first to do it uh, kind of says it all. But, uh, you know, Dom's just summed up the performance beautifully. But for you, what did Roy and the team do so well on Saturday? Well, I think it was, there were some chances and there were some opportunities that, I mean, I actually, for one, the, probably the closest we came, both chances involved, or they came, both involved Tyreek Mitchell, the goal line clearance, but then also the, it's almost not slight, any heavier contact might have been an own goal at the death there. But in terms of just limiting their play, let them have the ball. I think we're quite comfy as a team, especially under Hodgson. We'll let a bigger side have the ball. But what's quite pertinent was that actually how, uh, it's interesting, I guess, depends on what side of the, the fence you're on. There was a video that went viral, uh, created by a compilation created by Manchester United fans, I think, of Marcus Rashford's sort of non-creativity across the game. But you could also look at it as Joel Ward just really kind of putting in a really <laughs> energetic performance to ensure that, you know, his chances and his kind of the openings were a bit limited as he cut inside, which as he's, he's want to do as a kind of right-footed, uh, you know, a striker by trade really, but likes to come inside. Um, I, you know, I, I back us as def- as a defensive team when, when, when the spine is fit, particularly at the back, Dom's already touched on the, the, the center halves who are both just incredible, I think. And mm-hmm. for our standard and then having a decore, even a, a Will Hughes, who isn't your starter, with everybody fit, but I think it's someone that is quite happy to roll in the mud for an occasion like Saturday and, and do what's asked. It's uh, yeah, that as a unit, it's, it's always nice. It's not the biggest surprise when we sneak points playing like that, because I think, I think many more teams will struggle to break that through if that's the way we want to approach a game. That, that base you talk about, you know, when the, the teams were announced, just reminded of that quality of that, the goalkeeper, the two centre-halves with Decorah, who did start in the League Cup match, but, mm. you know, uh, I think with, with Gay and Anderson behind him is is an even better player. Um, and then you are just, as Andy Bell referenced last week when we were previewing the game, set-pieces needed to be exploited. And it was a set-piece um, that the goal did come from. Um and we'll we'll move on to the Joe loving because I think it's it's required. I think that performance and just the way he started the season does require us to focus on him specifically. Dom, as a Palace aficionado, where does Joachim Anderson rank among the the best Palace centre halves that you've seen play for the club? Oh, he's right up there. He's he's his quality, sort of silky quality to his play. His distribution is remarkable at times. Those diagonal passes, which we've referenced many a time on this podcast booming across field 
to a you know to a winger or or an overlapping fullback. Um, he just oozes class and quality and authority, um, and his the partnership with Gay in particular. They just struck it off really from the from the outset when they, when they were thrust together um, under Vieira um, in the summer of twenty one, and it's just, I mean, it's, it is amazing to see. I mean, it's there, there will be a lot of Premier League teams looking at Joachim Anderson, thinking, Woof, why why weren't we in the market to sign him from Lille? Um, likewise with Gay, to be honest. I mean, I think the pair of them. I thought Gay was outstanding against Fulham, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant against Fulham, and. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the eye is drawn to his performances. Maybe, maybe that's just—I don't know. Maybe that's me being biased and, a, and an England fan as well, and wanting him to do, to, to do well in the England setup. But Joachim Anderson's an experienced international defender, and I'm sure he's bringing the best out of Mark Gay's game as well. Um, I didn't think he had that in his locker. I have to say, I mean, it was it was quite a remarkable goal it had it had a few pundits going or there must have been a wicked deflection on it for it to have gone past anana in the way it did but it was just struck so sweetly having improvised to sort of twist and contort his body in a in a position where he could make a a sufficient connection and 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 you know saw it past the the keeper but yeah absolutely stunning and and certainly one of the best and and you know i used to love watching the aforementioned Andy Thorne and Eric Young and Chris Coleman back in the day, but I'm not sure we ever had this this level of classiness to our centre half pairings. They were sort of a bit more um, strong arm. Let's put it. He he is classy. He is classy. I hadn't appreciated until maybe the seeing it for the third or fourth time. The whipped in cross that led to Mark Gay's chance, which mm, I think yeah. uh, preceded the goal, was Joachim Anderson whipping that mm. in. I mean, that's one of the best crosses you're going to get across the Premier League weekend, and that's our centre half knocking the ball into our other centre half. I think technically, Flame was a ten on on Saturday. He, eh? he was. <laughs> we, we had we did actually have some questions as to whether he should be moved up the pitch to uh, to kind of fill the gaps that that are appearing elsewhere in the uh, in the eleven. But yeah, technically speaking, that goal was was quite something else. Joe, can you think of many better goals scored by a centre half in a Palace shirt? I had a moment of think, thinking about this and I was drawn to a Jose Font goal at Stoke City, uh, probably 2008, 2009, around that period. If I'm remembering right, a sort of badly cleared corner, chested and hit on the volley on the outside of the area. But And obviously a, a player that's gone on to do some excellent things. But technique-wise, it's it, it's... It has to rank as one of the best we've seen from a centre-half. Usually your classic centre-half goals are huge, long-distance strikes that they've absolutely smashed. I can think of a couple of examples that might Paddy come Paddy McCarthy up. at Derby. Quite. That type uh, of, uh, yeah. But, yeah um, net, net buster, that type, of, yes. uh, that type of hit. Yeah. Whereas I think I think Saturday's goal, technique-wise, it almost was placed as well. It's with power, but it's it's gone exactly where he's meant it to go. It's not a wild swing. Yeah. I think I think a lot of our forward players would be very happy with that technique and, and how that's planned out. Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite something. Um, I did ask you both before recording to, to have a bit of a think as to, to go, you know, Joe, you just referenced Jose Font, which uh, is a goal I do recall, um, but haven't seen it probably since the very weekend that he scored that goal. Dom, any that you want to kind of bring to the table? Well, McCarthy was was mentioned. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I put this 
I put this question to my brother who, who has a, a better memory for for this era, for the sort of, I don't know, probably from the mid-2000s um, through to through to the Premier League era. Um, and he mentioned McCarthy at Derby. Um, I My personal favourites were, and they're very contrasting, I'm not sure, they, they don't, certainly don't have the technique that, that Joe's mentioned there with Joachim Anderson. But I, I'll always go back to Chris Coleman's Meet yes. header at West Ham. Yes. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. And I just love that expression. I don't know what it means. Meatball header. What does that mean? <laughs> Snap, snapped on. That was top of my list. Meatball header. Uh, the third of four goals at the Hawthorns in the championship yeah, four, winning was team. It four one or four, four, four one? one. I think it was, yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think we were one nil down at half time and we cleaned the floor with them in the second half. Uh, and <laughs> Has that term ever been used since, to right. anyone's knowledge? Why would it? I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's used in Italy all the time. God knows. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Dom and I, we talked about this previously. I did look long and hard for the audio. the The YouTube version of the ninety three ninety four season review has been removed. I presume for. Uh, for reasons, you know, whatever the license. I have it on VHS like here next week. We're, we're going to have to play it and just record Fire the audio. And, yeah, we've got to do it. I think we're just going to have to nick, <laughs> nick that audio and, and insert it into random pods throughout the rest of the season. But Meatball Header, Chris Coleman, 93. Another head, Dom, well, I'll come back to you for, for any more that you have, but another header that I had was Scott Dan, 2016, the equaliser with the last touch of the ball against Bournemouth, where yeah, he's yeah. similar kind of... Uh, angle to it where he nods it in and guides it into the bottom corner and I think I think that earned us a point against Bournemouth in in early 2016. He felt like a foot above everybody else in the pen <laughs> from where from the kind of tussle in that duel. That yeah, and he header. he uh, he dragged a point for us when I don't think we really deserved it in that game from what I recall. But that that Chris Coleman has got down kind of diagonal header into the uh, the opposing bottom corner. The two that sprung to mind. Dom any more from the five field yeah, WhatsApp chat? <laughs> I mean there were. Oh, well, this one was. I mean, look, Jim Cannon will have scored goals that we that haven't been caught on VHS even, and and there will there will be some brilliant ones in there because he had a a mean. I think it was his left peg, wasn't it? He was it was particularly strong. But Gordon Petrich at Sheffield yeah, United, yeah. Um, but again, but it's another one of Joe's sort of smashing it in from from distance, isn't it? I mean, it was just it was in the middle. Of, there was a context of that, like because it was in the middle of that weird 10 match unbeaten run that we had whilst in administration and losing two or three players every single week ahead of the transfer window and we I think we were he smashed one in at Sheffield you know at Bramall Lane from a from a ridiculous and inconceivably long way out and then we conceded with the last kick on the game and an equaliser in a one-all draw um and then apparently went into the dressing room afterwards and was like come on guys we will make the playoffs we will make the playoffs <laughs> it's like no, we won't. But no, we won't. We don't want to. <laughs> uh, Gordon Petrich's only goal in a Palace shirt, that one. So one to remember oh, for Gordon nice, Petrich. Nice. That was JD's uh, nominee for, for this too. But listener, if, if any uh, spin to your uh, mind that we've not mentioned, then then do feel free to, to let us know and we'll uh, maybe highlight them as Joker Madison adds to his uh, his tally throughout the season. That's two now for him, uh, which exceeds his, uh, his one, which he scored last season. So... Um, not quite sure. Does that place him second behind Odson Edward in terms of our league goal scorers? I think it might. I think everyone else might be on one so far. So, uh, yeah, here's to many more from Joa. Just in terms of uh, of Anderson, the clever people at whoscored.com um, 
currently rate that that Jerkham Anderson is one of the two best performing centre halves across Europe's top five leagues with an average rating of 7.6 from the first seven games. Uh, this was pointed out to me by Jerry of the Glad All Over San Francisco group. Um, so shout out to him and all that no doubt enjoyed Saturday's win at the Pig and Whistle. Um, right, that's the positive done. Let's quickly touch on the more negative side of things as we end part one. News broke this morning that Eberich Ayeza will be unavailable for around six weeks due to a hamstring injury. Dom, about as bad a piece of news injury-wise that we could get right now. Yeah, absolute nightmare, to be honest. I mean, that we, I suppose we have to caveat it, that, that they will be assessing him now, and six weeks might be might not be accurate it might not be i mean i suspect it's it's a prop, a safe assumption it will be it'll take him through to the november international break um it's it's dreadful timing for him because of the england setup and he'd have wanted to play in the in the forthcoming games that they've got um this month but it's awful for palace i mean it's he i know people have been whinging a bit about how He's he's not being as effective possibly, and he should be, I don't know, keeping things simpler possibly in some of his play. The reality is he is carrying that forward line. I know Ed, Odson Edwards got goals and also a hamstring injury, but he has got goals this season. But but Ezra is the is the player that other opposition teams are frightened of. They're the ones they're they're doubling up on him, and which is freeing up space for other people. And maybe that's a reason that we're now getting crossed into the box for Odds and Edward to score. We have been that has now gone. So you've now got a situation where Roy Hodgson has literally got no creative attacking talent. Uh, to play either centrally or even in wide areas, and certainly no one of, of experience out wide. I mean, I'm not going to put IU in that bracket. Raksaki and Ebiori are, are, are too young to be relied upon at this at this stage in their in, in their careers. So it is desperately, desperately bad news for Palace. And it's look, we're, Palace are ninth in the table as we sit here, and they've had actually had a really good start to the season. They've just won at Old Trafford. We should all be really satisfied with the way things have been going. But if he's out for six weeks and we've got a situation where Franca is going to have to get eased in gently, where Elise has had a little setback, and so there's obviously a bit of a wariness there about, about the, the hamstring problem, where Odson Edwards now carrying a hamstring issue of his own and presumably won't be risked ahead of this international break. And we've got games against Forest, opportunity in normal circumstances. I, I look at that Forest game now. Who's going to create a chance in that match for us? That that's going to be harder than it was against Fulham, and and that's ridiculous because Forest are there for the taking. In a normal situation, we'd look at that game and think, well, Alicia will run rings down that side. Ezra will be brilliant in the middle. Franca might cause them problems. Edward scoring goals. We're, we're we're laughing here. We don't have any of that. We don't even have Jefferson Lerma being energetic and dynamic in midfield. We're relying upon like, the most creative player in this side may well be Will Hughes. I mean, it's all Joachim Anderson from centre half, and it, it's it's a desperate situation. And and I'm not going to, I don't want to sort of echo what has become a very a common complaint that Selzy has aired, but he's spot on. The squad is too thin. The squad is too thin to expect to compete properly in the Premier League, and but maybe maybe mid table is what the aspiration is. In which case, we're fine because we're ninth at the moment, and we'll probably be thirteenth when when the players return from injury. It's so frustrating, though. It's so frustrating. It, it does feel like the straw that broke the camel's back in that 
<laughs> we really couldn't afford an injury to, to anyone else, but specifically Ebbs is, is just really difficult to take, isn't it? I'm not being funny, Jack, but every, every year around this time, there are muscular injuries. And it, it, we knew the squad that we were going into the season with, and we knew that a lot of them were carrying injuries from last season or vulnerability as well, fragility. Um, you can throw... Henderson in there as well with yeah. what happened to him at Forest in the second half of last season, what's happened again. I think we're I look, I, I it sounds ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not gonna jump on the bandwagon. I don't I'm not sort of saying I'm not gonna join in the sort of calls for massive change at the club, although I, I would say that I've the, the clarity that I would I call for at the start of the summer is I think those arguments are still valid now. I'd like to know what is happening with with the ambition and what 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 is the strategy. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, it's we we knew this was going to happen and it has happened. It's not. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. And it will be what. Well, that means our our season will be hamstrung. Unfortunately, well, <laughs> nicely played. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the, the the sequence of of hamstring injuries in, in particular is just so frustrating. And and as you say, it's a type of injury that has to be treated with the utmost respect. You're not going to rush a player back to see how they might do because you'll have a situation um, with more players, as as has been the case with Michael Elise. Um, we'll, we'll come on to maybe questions about some of those players who may well feature a little bit more in in part two. But Joe, we'll, we'll touch on the Forest game later on as well. But I do wonder whether this injury will require Roy to alter the shape of the team, and perhaps just given the players available, given that we have a, a predominance of, you know, Premier League capable centre halves <laughs> at least, yeah. wonder whether a change of system um, may be seen on Saturday in, in the adopting of either a three or a five at the back, whichever way you want to see it. What are your thoughts on that, or would you, per, you know, pursue with the or persist with the? The formation that has been set, even though the players to fill it perhaps aren't there. Well, there's no perhaps about it; they're not there. Yes, yeah, I, I think you'd have to consider it, and I, maybe there was, there's only so much to learn from the the cup visit to Old Trafford in terms of, you know, things that tangible things that we could apply to the league side. But I think one of them is, well, just the the lack of, you know, having to change things round. There was that attempt to go to a five at the back. Um, was some of it was more flexible than I think the commentary suggested, but I mean, look, if everyone's fit, Eze would Eze would be replaced by Franca, and if it wasn't Franca, then it perhaps be Nairik Ahamada. But we've got none of them, so he's a, he's another one. But yes. this, I mean, what an opportunity this would be for him. Yeah, he, he exactly. would be getting Premier League minutes that he's not yet had. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so then you start. It really is improvisation rather than kind of logical alternatives i've seen some of the suggestions i've been reading through today are you centrally i guess it's not it's not something we haven't seen but one of the more prominent opinions and rec- ideas i've seen is is putting gyro further afield which i just think is is mad to think about a month ago two months ago and just we'll to, to, we will get to gyro we have yes. plenty of questions about yeah. gyro. and um it's just to echo some of dumb thoughts there I think we knew that our problems would come along the way. I think the lack of depth, well, even bringing on ebbs in the second half at Old Trafford in the league, in the cup ties is an example of you actually, if when you haven't got the alternatives to bring on, you are just draining those that you do have. If you are pushing them further and closer to their 
brinks, particularly with a, 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 a you know injuries like with a hamstring. So the injuries are more likely to happen. The, it's not unlucky that we have a small squad and a high injury list. Uh, I think we're now officially the highest injury list in the Premier League. But I, I think they come they come one and you know hand in hand because you're asking those players that you do have to do a lot more more often with less rest. And yeah, it's it's just you know there is a couple of difficult games coming up that I think if you're trying to find positives and go well you know we maybe we wouldn't have done so well in the games coming up against Newcastle and Spurs but Forest would be a, a a game you'd be looking at this weekend thinking this is this is this is a bit of us and I, I'm really worried about it now look, yeah. look at the games in November though lads. Yeah. I mean brutal I mean yeah. but the, 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 those that's our opportunity yeah, yeah. Burnley, Everton, Luton, yeah. West Ham, Bournemouth yeah. in the beginning of December. And th- yeah. that's where we establish ourselves in the Premier League, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Before the games get horrible. I mean, I, I mean, there isn't a run this season like there was that Paul Patrick Vieira had to endure last year in terms of the difficulty of the fixtures. But those, the matches, you know, from the 9th of December are pretty horrific all the way through to the to the game against Sheffield United at the end of January. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, it's not an easy month. And there's AFCON in there in January and as well. And there's AFCON then, exactly. So, <laughs> so we, it's, it really is a, a case that you need to exploit those matches in November, which presumably means that, that you don't risk someone... Now, if France, for example, had been training, you know, with the first team, you wouldn't necessarily chuck him in from the start against Forest. Um, you know, if if Lerma's approaching fitness now, you'd probably wait until after the international window. So, not least, so he doesn't go and travel. I don't know whether I don't know whether they've got a game or two games in this window, but he probably would want him to stick about and just continue the rehab and rebuilding up up his strength. But it's it's untimely. It's. I mean, it's really, really untimely. That's the problem, and yeah, and it, and dispiriting. But you know, it go, it's a common complaint, and it goes back to what Celsi's been banging on about all season. Um, there were opportunities, possibly, to to bring in free transfers in the summer to to bulk up the squad, have more options there available to to Roy Hodgson, and they weren't taken. Um, other than Jefferson Lerma, Lerma. Um, that that may be. They may be very, very very clear reasons why that didn't happen. We may want to keep the wage bill completely under control. We may want to position ourselves financially so that ahead of the stadium redevelopment, I don't know what it is because we're not told what it is. Um, But it's without that knowledge, it's pretty frustrating. Not, not to feed the, (laughs) the, uh, yeah, I guess rumors that Andy Bell wanted to maybe uh, get moving last week, but I guess Andros Tanzer might be keeping his phone even closer to him this week than he has in previous weeks, but <laughs> let's not go down that road. <laughs> the thing about that is, I mean, I did ask about this. I did wonder whether there were there were free transfer options, but the, the reality is any free transfer that comes in now that hasn't done a pre-season somewhere properly, that hasn't been playing for the last two, three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, is not going to hit the ground running and it's probably going to take a month to get up to speed, in which case, at which point you may have some of these players back, in which case they're not going to get into the team. So why would you necessarily pay the money to to come and do it so it's it's really tricky it, but it's it's a legacy of the transfer window and the inaction of that or the relative inaction of that i am um, i will end the part on just a, a reference to uh, a, a previous a prior 
free transfer who on this date in 2005 scored two goals at Loftus Road. So we are happy Marco Reich uh, day, everyone. Uh, Don, was he on trial when he scored those two goals and then got his contract or had he just got his contract? I I'm not sure you can play in a... Can you play in a competitive game when you're just on trial? I feel like it was like a one-to-three-month deal or something yeah, like yeah. that. Scored yeah. in the cup against... Coventry at home, maybe in the, oh, in the that, cup. That rings a bell. That rings and a then bell. gets his gets the the QPR start, scores not long after, and scores two. Gets gets a longer deal and then doesn't score again. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> no, he's he certainly shown his worth before he got the uh, the longer yeah. contract. Anyway, um, sad way to end the pod. Uh, sorry, to to end the part. But um, as as Don says, we we do have a a victory. United celebrate. It's just tempered with that. Very, very uh, unfortunate news regarding Abrit Chese, but hopefully back sooner rather than the six weeks um, that's been indicated. But um, I guess that gives us something to talk about in the next few weeks. Um, thank you, guys. That's the end of part one. Part two, um, we'll be taking your questions. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to this week's FYP podcast, sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, before we get stuck into questions, another shout out for the Palace for Life Marathon March, uh, which is uh, a week on Saturday. So Saturday, the 14th of October, the FYP team uh, would love your donation. So please consider donating what you can to the team. Uh, we'll include the link in the show notes and we'll be plugging the link between now and the big day. Um Anyone that is doing that as well that might be listening, good luck. Hope your training is going well. Um, right, on to listeners' questions. And uh, <laughs> I have written here, 
before the EBS news broke. Decidedly more upbeat than last week's questions, but we did have a l- couple of late submissions, which <laughs> I think we have covered with our chat about EBS in the uh, in the previous part. Um, but I will start by asking you both. Uh, Bloke Ocean asks, crisis, what crisis? Would anyone swap the cup result for the three points in the league? Uh, just a quick one on this. I, I think there was some chat prior to the league uh, cup match that people would have preferred... Um, the, the League Cup win over a league win if there was to be the option of choosing between the two. Um, I guess now the, the kind of uh, cast has been, or the die has been cast, we'll, uh, we'll take the three points in the league and uh, and say goodbye to the League Cup for this season. Yeah, it's so often a kind of almost philosophical debate because a cup win allows you to dream a little and there's this tangible silverware that fills within reach. Um, but it's not, for me, it's not enough of a I'm not coming away with a league victory going, ah, well, but if, but if it's kind of, I'll take either. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly as the reward for winning at Old Trafford in the cup would have been Newcastle at home, which would have been uh, no easier task. Yeah. Dom, your, your thoughts on kind of this cup versus league premise? I understand it. And, you know, I, I loved winning at Manchester United Back in 2012, was it? Uh, no, 2011. 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah. Um, but that was in, within the context of a championship season um, and then beating a Premier League team away, a decent one as well. But that like, we, we beat the, the best team that Manchester United could put out yes. on, at the weekend. That's a very good point. And yeah. we didn't do that in midweek. Um, as in, they they didn't pick their strongest team in midweek. Uh, I just and for the drama of it all, and I probably shouldn't say this, but but the the, the the sort of crowing and the sort of sense of of oh, this is just going to be so easy beating Palace again, and how our, our season's up and running. We've just hammered them in the cup. We'll beat them in the league. It's all it's all just to to shove that back down their throats with a one 0 victory at the weekend was just. Fantastic. <laughs> well, and on that note, I don't know if you've seen Eric Ten Hag's comments post-match where he basically just uh, states that Manchester United should be beating Crystal Palace home or away, whatever the scenario. Um, maybe sums up why they're not in the place where they think they should be at the moment. Had the kind of air of Jurgen Klopp's fucking Crystal Palace comment, but uh, maybe not to that, <laughs> not to that degree. Uh, Dom, we'll, we'll move on. Um, and again, this question came in before the uh, the news about Ebbs. But um, in relation to Odson Edward missing out on Saturday and quite possibly missing out again this coming Saturday, I had a question about JP's performance on Saturday uh, from Violent Bob Four. Um, so I won't mess with him. So I'll just get on and ask your question, Bob, as quickly <laughs> as I can. Uh, is it start? Is it sorry? Is it time to start unironically loving Mateta? I thought Saturday was one of his best performances so far. I think he's turning it around pretty impressively, to be honest, considering he was a player that really wanted to leave in the summer and felt a bit of a spare part, uh, a player that we needed to upgrade. Look, at, don't get me wrong, I think Palace, Palace should have upgraded him, and, and I'm sure if they could have done, they would have done. But the reality is he is our only fit number nine or our only fit striker to lead the line of any of any note. He He's... And and he's actually, you know, when he when he turns it on, it's he's he's great to watch. He's he's great fun. And I love his instinctive finishing. It's just when he has time to think about it that's more of a problem. But but you know, there are a lot of strikers that you can you can say that of. Uh 
Uh, well, I mean, look at the moment we're relying on him, and we're all hoping that he he can do the business at the weekend without a supply line. Quite frankly, so you know, uh, long live JP. Long live JP. <laughs> well, as host of this podcast, and with those initials, I certainly uh, will be taking it on this week. Don, much appreciated. Uh, uh, Joe, I'll I'll, uh, I'll ask you to, to to maybe throw some praise Jordan Ayew's way in just a moment because. Jean-Philippe Mateta was only second to Jordan Ayew in terms of presses in the final third. So I think that the role he has, not in terms of just pre- the, the kind of focal point as Don touches on, he was also contributing to the the press, which, you know, got us into certain parts of the pitch. And, you know, I think could uh, could be argued led to the free kick that led to the goal. So that that type of press was was paramount to us getting that result at the weekend. Jordan Ayew, I mean, week on week this season, we've been very, very... Um, not generous with our praise, but I think we've been honest with our praise for Jordan Ayew, but Saturday was another very solid turnout from from Jordan, wasn't it? I think even the most sort of cynical critics of Jordan Ayew at Palace in terms of what does he offer going forward, I think even they would admit that these are the exact sort of games you want Jordan Ayew around for when we're backs against the wall and we need someone to win fouls up the pitch, He's, I think, quite by a distance, the most foul player in the Premier League. Mm. And um, the sort of stat you would see as praiseworthy for Wilfred Zaha for several years. And he's never too far behind. And so it's kind of been highlighted a little bit more to my attention anyway. And I, the contrast between Amrabat's performance at left back with Jezrak Saki, <laughs> which was very much a kind of welcome to the big leagues on on that Wednesday night or Tuesday night. Well, it certainly felt like with the pat on the head and all that, which I, I quite enjoyed Raksaki's kind of refusal to play along. He just kind of get off me. Um, but I, 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 you just returned the sort of lesson really in terms of like, I don't have to be a fullback that's going to go one-on-one with you and skin you. You might be able to deal with that. My job today is very different and it's going to help my team out just as much. And I think both he and and, and Mateta also, in terms of their work doing that, was such a big contributor to um, the result and and, and the goal. Um, I I, I really enjoyed it. At halftime, I looked through the Sky Sports app and their live commentary can be quite... You know, not too much information, depending on who who's writing it, I guess. A, a little but basic. Thought, yes, but I thought it was really telling. They said, they said it was the third foul Amrabat had conceded on IU in the first half, uh, and they said he's playing him like a violin. And I just thought <laughs> that, like, for that to be said as a as a, from a neutral, suppose I, I assume's perspective, just kind of showed what what he really brought to that game. So yeah, I'm I'm quite a loud fan of Jordan. I. That that just added to the to the the optimism and and the, the delight I have in him in a fandom. Yeah, it was um, a very well won free kick. But if I was a United fan, I'd be asking what on earth Amrabat is doing making a a challenge like that. I mean, you literally cannot be posing less of a threat to the goal when you are facing the dugout. I don't understand yeah. what Amrabat was doing, but hey, we we've talked about the goal and uh, what happened there. Fantastic. So we won't talk any more on that one. Let's move on to a man who we don't often talk about. We did touch on him last week, but um, Jaro Wiedewald has had uh, quite a lot of love since last week. I think his uh, performance in the League Cup was perhaps one of the better um, in that defeat. And then he came on and got minutes, um, I think the last 15 or 20 minutes or so on on Saturday. And, and as you 
mentioned in uh, in part one, Joe, is being considered an option ahead of, of this weekend. So the questions predate the news about Ebbs, but Jamie Muller um, asked, does Gyro deserve a bigger role in the squad? And Vito the dog, um, <laughs> Vito the dog, good to have you uh, on board this week. Gyro, uh, sorry, is Gyro working himself into a more prominent role? So, Joe, I'll come to you on that one. And, and then, um, Dom, if you want to come in on, on Gyro too, that'd be great. Given the options available at the moment, he of course is in consideration. He has to be. I guess even if you go before Ebbs's injury, I, f- I think Gyro's selection in the midfield ahead of a Will Hughes, for example, which is probably what it would be, I suppose, or, or perhaps as a you know companion to to Corey while in the absence of of Lerma. I guess. A home game against Nottingham Forest would be the sort of one where you might maybe consider him because there's a with a with a fuller squad and a, in terms of injury free, which is now just completely fanciful. But you'd imagine we would be in a lot more possession in some of those games, certainly compared to to the Old Trafford visit, for example. But what's really interesting is that he has shown himself to play really well in those games where we aren't having a lot of the ball. I would associate him as someone that you would want in a game where you're just kind of trying to unlock the opposition because he's comfortable on the ball and is really good in tight spaces, I found, with the ball. But that those skills are, as we've seen, quite applicable in these games where we're not going to have a lot of the ball. It, it still proves to be of great use. I guess there's probably other factors that need to be considered as to whether he should be going ahead of somebody else who the defensive instincts are a lot more kind of full-blooded, if you like. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I don't think he, he he's gonna let us down. But does it need to be more than that at this point, or are we just? It, it, he's a he's a body <laughs> without an injury at the moment. Is that that's enough? We'll take it. Dom, your thoughts on Gyro? Well, I think he's fulfilling the role that he's got at the club. He's a squad player, and he and that means he's in every match they score pretty much. And when required, he gets called upon, and he may well be required from the start on Saturday, depending on what system Hodgson plays and how he he how he accommodates for the, the the reality that he's lost his most creative player. I mean, I don't think Jairo Readabout is going to unlock Nottingham Forest. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I I don't think he will. Well, that's not his game. But then there might be cause, as you say, to to ask Jairo to to sit in midfield and ask maybe Decore and, and Will Hughes to provide a bit of energy as sort of more, I don't know, enterprising number eights in a system and have have, have read about as a six and just sitting sitting there. Uh, he could certainly distribute the ball well enough in that in that way. That that might be a way of getting around it and sort of tweaking the system from a four two three one to something more like a four three three, possibly. But I mean, this needs must, though, isn't it? I and mean, there's nothing else. Uh, I, he's I, Gyro is a bit of a mystery. He, he's a he's a cult figure who who's we all wanted to succeed at the beginning, but but didn't because he became a bit tainted with the Frank de Boer brush. Unfortunately, didn't really have a role to play in, in the sort of Hodgson revival. Then sort of came back into fashion. Because we all know there's talent there. We can all see the talent when he has his cameos and, and he's schooled in the Ajax way, etc. He's he's very comfortable in possession. But he sort of came back into fashion only really when Palace had a a very, very stretched, tired, aging squad during a lockdown, which none of us want to remember fondly and none of us want to revisit. But actually he was a bit of a breath of fresh air in there, occasional moments, occasional flashes of 
of his quality. But as soon as Palace re-strengthened in 21, there was no room for him in the team. I mean, he, he wasn't close to getting in that team. Again, reduced to sort of cameos at left-back occasionally or cameos in the in the Cups. And that's that's what we're at now. It hasn't changed. He's 27. He's played 80-odd games for Palace since 2017. Is he twenty? I was gonna. I was gonna look earlier to say how old he was, and I didn't have time. But twenty-seven. Yeah. And he's played less than ninety first-team matches in what is nearly seven years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's. I I, I presume he's earned well because I, I, he must be very frustrated with his. This isn't the career path that he, he would have envisaged, I'm sure. Mm. Um, but he is. He, he, started, he is. He started Europa League final in. Yeah. 2017. I think he started in that Ajax team that lost to Manchester United. So, um, yeah, I think he's one of those players. I th- dependable is how I would describe him. Is that when he does come in, he doesn't let us down. He has got that tidiness on the ball. Um, but for a player who didn't feature particularly prominently in in preseason to now be kind of not pinning hopes on, but as, as Joe kind of touches on being a body literally being fit is the is the criteria right now and it is quite possible he will start i'd imagine if he does start it'll be a flatter midfield with as you say dom will hughes or decore maybe pushing into advanced positions when they come but jeffrey schluck may meeting though isn't it jack i mean it's oh, very very when you see i mean we know that he's got the talent but even in that united cup game there was one moment in the second half i think it was where he picked up the ball inside his own half and actually drove forward and you think blimey he's actually got a bit of pace and a bit of a bit of the afterburner sort of kicked in but I think that's probably the first time I've seen that in about four years. Well, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that because I think that it was this week that Mark Gay and Eberich Erze featured on uh, Premier League Productions kind of quiz feature about Palace and, and they were asked who the fastest player at the club is. Um, and I can't remember who answered who. I think, one, Mark, one I think of, Mark put Schlup uh, and, and Ebbs and, put Gyro. There you go. And Gyro was named the fastest and it did surprise me. Um, but Gyro, as you say, has shown glimpses of that and it could be that energy that we at least maybe get 60, 65 minutes out of him on Saturday, but we shall see where Roy goes with uh, the Forest selection, and we'll, we'll come on to that in part four. Um, final question for this week, or perhaps it's a request. Um, Dan Purvis, I know it's not strictly Palace this week, but can I request a Jack Pierce <laughs> times Darren England rant trademark? Well, Dan, I haven't got that trademark yet, and but if there is a market for this type of content, I will start a cameo channel. And, uh, and you've got, you got to complete the half of Merseyside for that. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, look, I think Darren England's uh, relationship with Palace fans is, is now well known. So there has been an element of Palace fans enjoying uh, what happened over the weekend. But in all seriousness, absolutely shocking mistake. As, as we're recording this on Tuesday, um, the audio from that incident has just been released. I've not heard it myself. Dom has. Um, Don, quick summary of, of the audio between absolutely Darren astonishing. England and... It's, yeah, go on. It's chaotic. It's very, very chaotic. The only person that seems to be talking sense is one of the video operators who sort of... There's a, there's a, at the bottom of it all, there's a misunderstanding because England... It's a misunderstanding over whether the goal has been given on field or not. Mm-hmm. So when they say, check complete, go, 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 they think... That the goal has been given and therefore it should be a kickoff, and they and they 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 don't notice that the the ball has just been placed and restarted with a free kick, and it's this poor little video operator that's going, hold on, hold on, this isn't right. Can we stop this? And delay, 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 and and by that moment the the moment's gone. But it's 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 astonishing. It's an astonishing lesson because it gives you a real insight into what just seems like absolute chaos, and that's what the Premier League, or sorry, that's what the PGMOL are now trying to. 
mould into something slightly more manageable, which may well mean that we're going to get more delays again in games. Um, I was I was going to ask what maybe we we should expect this Saturday, particularly with Saturday night's game being in the UK, kind of the featured Saturday night football game. Um, I think it's fair to say that if that had been Palace on on the wrong end of it, we would have spent this whole episode talking about it. And it's quite possible that Selzy would still be recording the post-match pod 72 hours later if that had been made at the expense of of Palace. But I wonder whether they would have released the audio for that, though. Quite possibly. You do wonder whether the uh, furore would have been quite the same um, if it had been not just Palace, but any club that maybe doesn't feature in the uh, the typical top six. But, but Don, would you expect this incident to impact the way VAR is used? You just alluded to, to maybe reviews taking a bit longer, but can they change it between now and the end of the season in terms of how, of how VAR is used? Or would that impact the integrity of the competition to, to kind of implement a change in terms of how VAR is used mid-season, even though it's only seven games in? They have done it before, I guess, seven, eight. The handball thing with Joel Ward? Yeah. I yeah. think Liverpool might argue that the integrity of the competitions have already been violated. To be honest, but look, at, yeah, I mean, they, they will they will do that. They will instigate that. They'll they'll be slightly longer checks, I'm sure. But the most one of the most interesting parts, other than the audio, the, the statement that PGMOL released on uh, on Tuesday night was a uh, an admission that the that their decision to allow referees to go off to other parts of the world and basically freelance as referees. Uh, is also now under review, and I'm sure you would love to launch two-footed at that particular issue, Jack, because we shouldn't forget where Darren England and his uh, video assistant video assistant referee were in midweek. Uh, the UAE on a freelance gig, by by all accounts, invited by the the UAE FA um, in a week when it's been kind of publicly uh, made available that the Saudi FA are actively looking to recruit. European referees for the, for their league, so it's going to be interesting to see over the next few seasons what um, happens in terms of the and I will use the term fraternity, the refereeing fraternity, as to whether the temptation of um, but I guess bigger contracts, bigger offers for referees will tempt them to to leave their domestic leagues and and seek passes new. I mean, I mean after retirement, Mark Clattenburg, sorry, listener, I should have given you warning, I was going to mention him, but Mark Clattenburg went and refereed in in the Middle East. Um, but to see referees do it perhaps mid-career compared to, to kind of post-retiring at that top level would would add a different element to it. And you'd start to see, I guess, referees linked with moves away from uh, from leagues like players currently are, which does seem completely bonkers. But um, when that news came out that Darren England had been, you know, travelling, and it's only a six or seven hour flight, but only six or seven hours flights before being part of the officiating team for the flagship match in the most watched domestic league in the world um <laughs> just seems a bit uh, a bit bonkers to me and um i'm i'm, I'm sure the pgml wanted to address it but how do you address that when you know the cat's out of the bag in the sense that the, the mistakes being made um it will be interesting joe your thoughts on on that particular incident and maybe what you think might be uh might be coming in terms of the var use between now and the end of the season i don't know how feasible it is short term but i i've got a feeling that the the idea of audio being released, it may becomes more frequent. It may become a, a standard of, you know, an hour after games or, or a particular time. Because, But I, I part of me does wonder, I think there's a lot of people who say, oh, it would just be common sense if a referee came out after the game and explained their decision or we heard the audio. And really, I just don't, I don't think that would really make anyone any more happy. I think it would just they would still be annoyed about it. They would still find a way to to be angry and moan. 
the the UAE, the emergence of that trip was really kind of unhelpful timing. It just all the conspirators and the, the rabid Liverpool fan base crying, oh, it, it therefore must mean this. Just wasn't, really didn't help anybody in the, as the story kind of developed. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still pro-VAR and it, it, it applied right and, and everything. But something like that, that's just head in hands for everybody. They, they, they probably could have done, you know, you mentioned the, the Darren England bit again, but they probably could have done without um, Johan Visser not having a penalty awarded um, literally a day later. I mean, it's just it's just shining a light on the worst of it when there is so much positive um, that can come from VAR. Um, I think the, the, the profile of the two clubs involved on Saturday and, and the fact it was the game that it was um, has just exacerbated the, um, the noise around this story. But to see Stephen Warnock on Sky Sports News yesterday nearly in tears at what um, is an injustice it's not perceived it's it's there for us all to see but there is so much feeling about this I, I do wonder whether on Saturday for a game that's due to finish at 7.15 7.20 I do wonder given VAR checks whether it might be uh, close to 8 o'clock by the time we get out on Saturday just to make sure they don't make the errors they've made this time around but hey we'll um, we'll see we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about VAR again as the season progresses um, but I suggest uh, we might not be seeing Darren England particularly soon but we shall see we shall see um Everyone, thanks so much for your questions. Dom and Joe, thanks for uh, for your answers there. Um, listener, appreciate we didn't get through all of the questions, but always very grateful to those that do send them in. So um, please do keep sending them in as the weeks go by. Next up is this week's 321. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the third part of this week's FYP podcast, sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, before we get into this week's 3-2-1, just a quick nod to October's episode in this season's interview series. I won't spoil the surprise as to who it is, but it will be released to patrons on the Wednesday of this week, which I think is the 4th, and to everyone else on Friday, which will be the 6th of October. Okay, on with 3 2, one 
Uh, Dom, your first go at this, I think. So quick summary of the idea. We each nominate our Palace Player of the Week and then agree who to allocate the one, the two, and the three points to. Those points are then added to JD's master spreadsheet, which will be used to determine the FYP player of the season come May. As of last week's episode, the early pace setter is Jean-Philippe Mateta. That's quite another pace setter, Jean-Philippe Mateta, uh, who leads the field with five points. Uh, let's see if that changes after today. So, Dom, your nominee for 3 2 one. So, so, just to clarify, it has to be a player. Well, I think the season started and JD was like, it can be anyone. Uh, <laughs> but I think as the week's gone on, I think we've kind of evolved this into a player of the season type competition. But if you wanted to contribute anyone, we'll see if they garner points as the season goes. And if the away fans win the player of the season. The away fans win the player of the season. I'll let JD kind of determine who wins what. I'm, I'm just here to facilitate this week. So uh, you chuck at, who, chuck at me whoever you want, Dom. Well, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say Roy Hodgson just because, uh, you know, no one gave them a hope um, going to Old Trafford for the second time in four days with so few resources really at his disposal. Um and United sort of feeling as if they turned a corner. And for him to extend that unbeaten run at Old Trafford is something else, really. And to and to do it with such a a tight and well-drilled game plan that just okay, it required a moment of brilliance from a person who's now never inevitably not going to get nominated. But um it it it's it required that moment of magic, but it's moreover it Palace had to stay in the the match. They had to nullify. They had to frustrate. They had to leave United completely exasperated, and that's exactly what they did. Because they were so brilliantly, brilliantly drilled. And of all the the videos that were released by Palace on Saturday night, my favourite by a mile was Ray Lewington just punching the air and just looking like he couldn't really believe what had just happened. And, you know, this is a man that thought he'd given up football by two years ago. And and there he was winning at Old Trafford in the rain. Um, just, just magnificent. So I, I'll give it to Roy with a little nod to Ray as well. Lovely. Yeah. I think the, uh, the images of, of Ray Lewington dancing in the rain were, were quite something. And, uh, <laughs> It's quite incredible that, you know, you're, you're dealing with a club the size of Manchester United and, as you say, Dom, two guys who have probably left top-class football behind a couple of times now, or at least thought they were, have masterminded a victory against a club the size of Manchester United, against a manager with the profile of Eric Ten Hag, who, you know, towards the end of last season was being determined as the most appropriate manager at Manchester United since Sir Alec Ferguson retired but like it is just fantastic that that Roy Hodgson is guiding us with the you know raft of injuries uh that is impacting his his ability to choose his best team it, it is quite quite incredible to be honest um Joe your thoughts on, on on Roy uh just after the first seven games of the season and Ray bring it bring it around have, have all of it well I'm um, I guess from from this side I've I've always assumed the appointment of Paddy McCarthy as assistant rather than Ray was a, a an idea of succession planning, however realistic that is in in top level football. But what if it was any other reason about maybe I don't know Ray not being so sure if he's up to it anymore? I'm so glad he is still in the setup because he evidently has such a lift um, to the dugout, if not the the players on the pitch. And I, I find him a really kind of enjoyable figure. And 
you got to think it's his third spell palace now, right? I, I've actually, I, you know, he was around that sort of Dave Bassett era as well, right? And then Coppel. He started pretty much as the manager in 95, 96. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, we hear a lot of talk of Hodgson as a Mr. Crystal Palace and as a Palace fan, you know, raised allegiances may lie elsewhere in terms of who he supports, but it kind of applies in the same way. It's just not really thought about as often. And, I, I you know, the way the situation and the seasons emerging, you know, symbolically, I was I was with a lot of people back in the spring of thinking, is this really the right idea? Is this what we want? I'm so glad they're both in charge, and I also bemoan them not being given a fair crack in terms of the players and you know, if I, being super captain hindsight, I, I do wonder how we would have fared in 2021, 22 with that same bunch of players in, and them in charge. I think I had a feeling we'd have closed out a lot more of those games in that first half of the season, but it's all, I mean, it's all ancient history now, but I, I love them so much. And I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I wish they would take some credit. I wish they would take some credit as well. I, I think, I, I guess it's just Roy as a classy operator. He will not, he will always give it back to put it back on the players after a performance like that. And, you know, I, I hope he does know that he's appreciated for his efforts in that too. Yeah, here, here. I, I really hope he does. I'm, I'm sure um, the messages are getting through. I mean, just from the support that he'll see at Selhurst, that there's so much support behind him. And I don't think there can be many fans who are thinking that the lack of squad depth is is really anything to do with him. You know, I think there there is an acceptance that um, this was a one-year arrangement, an extension of that 10 games that he had at the end of last season, um, and that the recruitment was maybe separate to, to Roy coming. Dom, you may know differently, but I, I just think Roy would have just taken whichever hand he was given. He was given a bit of a, a soft hand to play with in terms of squad depth. It didn't take too much to see the, the kind of limitations of the squad at the moment. So, but he's making the best of it. He's just he's just coordinated a, a win at... At Old Trafford, and and yeah, great, great shout, Dom. Uh, Joe, your nominee this week. Uh, I, I want to show some more love to Joel Ward. I, I, I think given, I think the last time we were on together, there was a, a big question after. Oh God, what game was it now? Where he, he had another game where it wasn't great. Was it, it uh, Villa? It was Villa. Which follow it, and obviously the Brentford trip. There was a the, their goal. He was heavily heavily culpable in that. And, you know, that invited some criticism and the questions and more of a spotlight on that position in the pitch. But I think the last week, both in his absence and by him starting, has shown why he is the starting right back yeah. for Palace when everyone is fit. Um, maybe that's harsh on Nathaniel Klein, but I, I didn't see a lot in that midweek game. That it was, If that was the audition, I, I'm sorry, we're not calling you back. And I, you know... <laughs> That this is Joe Ward is 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 the starting right back. That that's the way it is. It's the way it's going to be probably beyond January. I saw Nathan Ferguson. Sorry, it's, you know, don't want to put any pressure on him. I saw that he played in the week for 10, 20 minutes at centre half again. Oh, did he, but did he get did he get minutes? I saw he was on the bench. He got he, minutes. Yeah, he, he came on in the second half. Okay, interesting. Um, but I I think most people are not. Well, I'm not one. To, I don't really want to look to him too much as a, well, he'll be back soon because that's just, I think it's just so much more complex with him. And so I just think to then put in a performance like he did on the, on the weekend as skipper, I, 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 I'm really happy for him when he has games like that, because I think he's on a hiding to nothing really. 
um, in, from, from a certain sections of the support as somebody who is pretty much the only real option we've got there, mm. bar some kind of speculative ones that people keep suggesting, which I think if Chris Richards was a natural right back, I think we'd have seen it a long time ago. Um, so just you've got to, got to support him and, and back him and he'll turn out performances like that every now and then. Yeah, he did have a solid game. Um, I mean, the whole back line was incredibly solid and you know, maybe a special mention to Tyree Mitchell, who I won't be nominating, but I think is worth a mention as well because he had probably his best game of the season too. Um, so uh, really pleased to see Joel have a good game. As you say, I think Nathaniel Klein's performance in the League Cup, love Nathaniel as I do, probably does, did indicate why Joel Ward is, is the first choice right now and uh, you know will be until injury or suspension or a replacement (laughs) says Lister. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, Joel will be the right back until January at the very earliest. Um, And as you say, Joe, quite possibly until next summer. You, you mentioned the, as Ebbs and Mark Gay, uh, almost like a Mr. And Mrs. of the, 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 the squad on, I think it was Amazon prime's content. Some other stuff in that, that I think is worth mentioning just that, you can take or take as much or little as you want from it. The player that eats the most food was Nathaniel Klein, I think, was revealed. And they and I think they nicknamed, nicknamed him Takeaway Man. Yeah, Mr. Takeaway or something like that. <laughs> Which I thought, core, that's that's not a reputation you want as a as a the second as the backup defender. That doesn't suggest someone that's really going busting a gut to 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 make a sh- Place uh, make a claim for a place in the side. Yes, yeah. Maybe he is. Yes, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When you compare it to some of the other stuff, also, I thought was telling. Um, JP was the funniest player in the squad. He's adored. He's absolutely adored JP. Yeah. The players love him. Yeah. Which, and we're starting to see that this season, I think, in terms of even when he's coming off the bench, he's doing all that, waving his arms to the lift, trying to lift the crowd, smiling. And so stuff like that, it, it does matter. And, uh, Someone else we mentioned, I think they said IU was the strongest. It wasn't even, I think they both agreed on that, that yeah. together, yeah. which helps contribute to results that we got. So, but yeah, back to, yeah, Joel, Joel Ward. Uh, that's my, that's my. He's your nominee this week. I think given the, uh, I mean, Dom, anything to add on, on Joel Ward? We, we've probably said it all before about Joel in that when he's called upon, he will be dependable. He he has got his limitations. We all know that. He cost £400,000 from Portsmouth 5,000 years ago. Like, you know, what is there to say about John Ward that we've, that we've not said? No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, he's, he, when he puts in performances like that, it's, you just marvel at it, don't you? But I, I don't, Hera, sorry, I'd, I'd echo your, uh, your comments on Tyreek Mitchell as well, because I thought he had a really difficult game on Tuesday night and, mm-hmm. and then to recover and play like he did uh, at the weekend is a, well, testament to his, his character, really. And uh, earned the sleep that Remy Matthews documented on his Instagram as well. So uh, <laughs> if you've not seen that, uh, <laughs> look out for it because it did make echoes of uh, Declan Rice on holiday with Mason Mount, but perhaps not to the uh, the extremities of that one. Um, I don't think we cannot nominate Joe Anderson, so I will uh, put our great <laughs> nice. Dane forward, given the praise that uh, we offered him in the first part. There's not much more to add um on that so if you want more uh anderson adulation then um i dare say listener uh, rewind and start the podcast again because there was a fair bit in the first part but yeah going from strength to strength um and uh the two center halves i think it's fair to say are, are probably our given 
current absences, the uh, the strongest part of the team, uh, perhaps with competition with Sam Johnson, who again deserves an honourable mention. Um, had another good performance, um, and for a former Manchester United player, I'm sure delighted to come away with the three points. So, Dom, it's at this point that we now kind of decide who gets the three points, uh, who gets the two, and who gets the one. So, uh, contenders are Roy Hodgson and Ray Lewington. Uh, Joel Ward is nominated by Joe and uh, Jared Commanderson as nominated by myself. So anyone stand out for the three? Having introduced the idea that Roy and Ray should be in this list, I think this week we have, I think, maximum points. Fair enough. Because I, I, I you know, I think we've maybe shied away from it in the previous instances of this game. Yeah. And actually, I think... No, let's do it. Let's 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 give them give them their props. We'll have to nominate him next week as well if they get a yeah. result against yeah. Pro- given what yeah. they've got to pick. Yeah, well, I was going to yeah. say, given the cards he's been dealt with, and I think in light of uh, becoming that first um, opposing manager to go five unbeaten at uh, Old Trafford, which is no mean feat, uh, I think you're right. I think we should go three points for for Roy Hodgson. Um, given Anderson's performance on Saturday, are we then okay to give him the two and give Joel the uh, the solitary Thanks. one? Is that fair? Okay. I dare say, and without looking My at the numbers... Face is not... No, I'm fine. I am fine. I'm just here to facilitate. I love it. I think I give Roy everything. There was another question this week as to whether we need to start a campaign to get the man knighted. And, and I would agree with Selzy that the freedom of Croydon is worth more than any sort of uh, royal accolade. But anyway, that's a, a different story. Um, without the numbers in front of me, I, I dare say we go by another week with Jean-Philippe Mateta top of the charts. But, uh, <laughs> We'll have to get JD to confirm that when he's uh, when he's next hosting. Thank you, everyone. Uh, that's the end of um, part three. And uh, join us after the break for a quick preview of Saturday's fixture at home to Steve Cooper's Nottingham Forest. final part of this week's FYP podcast sponsored by Green King Sports. Uh, Nottingham Forest visits Selhurst this weekend. Uh, Dom, what did you make of Forest's trolley dash on transfer deadline day and who do you consider poses the biggest threat to Palace this coming weekend? Uh, well, we all thought that Forest had, had a relatively calm and sensible transfer window really until the events of the last 24 hours of of the window and, and they just went as you say this went absolutely insane it was a re- revisiting the summer of 22 um just a ridiculous number of players came in at really good prices as well some of whom were uh, uh, probably will will prove real upgrades on what they had already others will will probably never see um I mean, Ibrahim Sangara is the one that caught the eye most of all as a club record signing, about £30 million. Um, a player that Palace looked at extensively in the past, never really had the funds to pursue it with PSV Eindhoven. And for them to convince him to come there after PSV have qualified for the Champions League was quite quite something. I think he's having a bit of a, sl- a slowish start, but there was slightly more influence. He exerted slightly more influence against Brentford at the weekend. So he will be a threat and he's very much in that sort of Palinia role. I thought Palinia was excellent at Palace when he came with Fulham a couple of weeks back. And I think we'll see something approaching that from Sangara. Um but they've got, you know, they've got they made some decent ones. They got a, a relative bargain in Hudson Adoy, as you as you mentioned. Um Dominguez, I think he's got carrying a knock for he might not be available this weekend. We might actually see a 
a young loney from from Chelsea, Chelsea, Andre Santos making his oh, first yeah. appearance um, yeah. in the league. He's only played in the League Cup, I think, for them so far. Um, but again, a, a player of, of talent, but un, untried at this level. So and this is why I look at it and think that would be a, normally a, an opportunity to have a go at these these guys. But uh, I suspect they'll be, I suspect they'll be better organised than we give them credit for and, and and I think it'll be a proper test now. They did well to uh, grab a point with 10 men on Saturday Yeah, uh, sorry Sunday um, and it was Dominguez who I think grabbed yeah. the equaliser um, That's right. and you think he's a doubt for this weekend? Yeah he went off injured later on in that game and it was a hamstring problem again so I mean he's a player that's adapting to life in a new league um, and you know that, 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 that will be a blow for them but then they've got people who are like Divock Origi, who can come in, yeah. who haven't haven't played very much in in the league for them. Um, they've got a lot. I mean, they've got new signings up and down the team. I look at the goalkeeping situation. You know, they spent most of the summer umming and ahhing as to whether they were going to go back in for Henderson, Dean Henderson, and ended up signing Matt Turner from from Arsenal, um, who has had his moments, but he's also looked shaky at other times as well. So it's a, a keeper that you want to test. And and Hudson Odoi. Has shown flashes. He scored a great goal in one of his early games for them, possibly his debut. Yeah, um, but against Burnley. Against Burnley, yeah, wonderful, wonderful goal. Showed his talent, showcased it. But and I know that he was a player that a lot of Palace fans wanted to get because you looked at the price that they paid for him, yeah. you know, two or three million pounds. It's a bargain. But the reality is, you have to take into account the wages as well. And he was on massive money at Chelsea because he had been. Courted by Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund and and clubs like that a few years back, and they've given him a contract under the previous regime that would have established him safely as Palace's leading highest wage earner if he moved on similar terms to Seller. So uh, I'm not sure that was ever really an option. Yeah, low transfer fee of around two or three million. It was something but, peanuts, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I, I get this. Uh, Keep the chat on Callum Hudson Odoi, actually, Joe, a player that many Palace fans wanted us to pursue, as Dom said, and, and you know, in, in terms of the relatively low transfer fee that was being uh, kind of bounded around. Um, but as as Dom says, the uh, <laughs> the wages would have proved a, a significant obstacle. Do you rate Callum Hudson Odoi? And if you do say no, do you also accept responsibility for his late winner this week? <laughs> well, it'd be safe for us to say I do, I do, I do rate him as a player. Then let's just be let's, <laughs> let's just get that out of there. Keep, that, keep that at bay, but. And it's very exciting player. Spoken up as one of kind of the most exciting prospects, young English prospects uh, when he was younger. I don't think he he has you know there's some injuries that have gone in between there. Perhaps that kept some bigger clubs from biting on 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 that opportunity. I thought the cries for him to come to Palace in hindsight, obviously, it'd be really handy to have him now. But the messages that the any kind of whispers that came out of Palace, the messages seemed quite consistent that he was just not being considered seriously so I, I, don't, I don't see I don't know how much I see that as a, an opportunity loss when as Dom says I imagine he was on even if it even if reduced quite significant very significant wages um and I know yes that the Dean Henderson wages have supposedly been uh, circulating and that that's kicked up uh, started another conversation but I also, I, I yeah, I, I feel like Hudson Doyle went to Forest of all teams for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think you look at Jesse Lingard going there last time out as as a sort of parallel thing. It, I, I think they're offering very generous terms 
to <laughs> millions of players. It's funny. I thought they would have learned their lesson from last time out. You know, we they broke our record when we were promoted uh, when in, last summer for transfers in one window, and we learned our lesson. Com- comfortably, I think they beat our record. Yes, and and you know, we learned our lesson from that. You know, we kind of said that was. We made big mistakes as a club, and we're not going to do that again, and we didn't. Um, but Forrester just seemed to... It's like they're excited to be rang, called up. It's like the agents are really, you know, flicking their eyebrow, eyelashes. I'm mumbling my words there, but just they're um, fluttering their eyelashes at, the, at the owner. And, the and he's all over. He's like, yeah, look, I'll, I'll buy you dinner. I'll, I'll sign the player for every much you want. And... <laughs> And yet, still, it was the back end of last season. There were moments where they had Jack Colbeck and John Joe Shelby starting in midfield together. That's a yeah. Steve McLaren's Newcastle midfield. <laughs> you think, how have you spent all that money and got that cut and still going into games looking like that? And yeah, here they are again. I think Gibbs White is somebody that they they've got game changers. They are they they yes, there are some names that have not quite made it at other clubs or might be expensive mercenaries if you want to be unkind, but I they've Gibbs got White. a big squad there. Yeah, Gibbs White is one who I didn't catch the the whole of the game on Sunday. Um <laughs> had a there was a gesture that he was rested towards the end of that. Yeah, well I was yeah, I, I don't know what the um what the situation was, but um Steve Cooper had to kind of insist that he hadn't been dropped. It was more of a case of perhaps managing He's played a lot of football. You know, he played the uh, tournament yeah, in the played the tournament so. in the summer. Uh, came, I think he came back almost immediately back to Forest's um, pre-season. And, and and as you say, Dom, earlier on in the pod, like this is the time of year where players do pick up injuries. So mm. for a player of that importance to Forest, it's it's right and with the bountiful options he has available to him. He can manage his minutes probably a little bit better than than Roy could manage some of our players' minutes at the moment. So um, it's an interesting one. And they are also dealing with the departure of Brennan Johnson, who I guess was considered their talisman last year. So it's, you know, despite being a second season in the Premier League, it could almost be considered the first season again, given the turnover of players they've gone through again and the loss of such a key figure as Johnson. So we'll see what happens on, on Saturday. Intrigued to see what Roy does. It'll be very interesting to see if any players do return. I guess there could be hope that Jefferson Lerma might return. But as Dom said earlier on, you may not be looking to risk players just before an international break. And if Jefferson Lerma returns for his club, I dare say he might then have to fly out to South America mm. for some international fixtures with Colombia. So we shall see who does feature for Palace on, on Saturday. But um, guys, thanks so much for, for joining this week. I think um, we'll let JD, who's in the chair next week, get into the uh, get into the weeds as to what happens on Saturday. And uh, we won't preempt anything that does occur because we've had so much to talk about so far. So, guys, thanks so much for, for joining this week. Um, patrons, you'll get a post-match pod after the Forest game. If you aren't a patron and would like to join for such perks, please visit patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Listeners, thanks for joining this week. Um, hope your week goes well. And here's to going into the international break with back-to-back wins. Goodbye. Podcast Network.